Hi, everybody. We're going to talk about twin flames, past lives, soulmates, and quantum entanglement. So over the years, people ask me a lot if I believe in the concept of twin flames, past lives, and soulmates. And what I could never really get underneath was understanding them. And so I took a lot of time to try to dig a little bit deeper using science and mysticism. And I hope this is informative because as far as relationships go, I think it'll help us understand what the definitions mean. Although I will say this, none of these terms I ever want to use to continue a dysfunctional behavior or a relationship with somebody. So first I want to talk about past lives. And past lives to me, I think, can be many things. I think we can be experiencing something alongside of us. I mean, everything can be existing at once. But I can tell you this, when I was really young, I was about five or six years old, I had really long hair. My mom used to put it up on the top of my head in a bun. And when we would go to church or go anywhere, including in the car, I would scrunch down as far as I could. And I was always in trouble for that. My mom would say, sit up straight. But I would say to her, I can't because I can't have anybody look at the back of my neck. And she said, why? And I told her that somebody had cut my head off. And so I didn't really understand that, but I knew that intuitively. I didn't know. I was too young to really understand what a guillotine was. But as I got older and into my teenage years and I found myself quietly in the library looking at spiritual books, mystical books, metaphysical books, anything on psychology, anything that I could get my hands on that had anything to do with energy, I started to realize what could have actually happened to me. And it could have been if I did have a past life, maybe I was beheaded because of my beliefs. And that was my first real introduction to past lives. And I used to feel that I was connected to experiences that were beyond me. And so then I began to look at things in a scientific way. And I wanted to blend with the mystics had taught us years ago. Now, I was raised Christian, but I ascribed and studied more to the Catholic mysticism, not the dogma of the church. And so this is a really contemplative practice. You know, we would light candles and set intentions, and we would drop the mind, and you can begin to feel something that is more spiritual when you shut the mind down. And then I stumbled upon a quote by Albert Einstein, and he said, science without religion is lame, and religion without science is blind. And that was how I began to put everything together. So people would come to me for a reading, and they would say, you know, in a past life, I believed that I was a queen or a princess, and I remember that. And the reason I have such a dysfunctional relationship is because the guy that I was with then, he was a slave or a serf, and, and you know, because I treated him that way, he treats me that way. And come on. You know, those things are excuses for bad relationships. Not everybody can be a prince or a king or a queen in a past life. 
because then we wouldn't have any serfs or slaves or just average normal people having a life. And so I, that's where I draw lines with past lives. But I will tell you, I have some very compelling information about them. And I do believe that this energy exists. And I'm not really sure what it is. But I don't under any circumstances that we should blame a past life or other dimensional experience for something that's happening right now in our present reality. This is what I do think. Stories have been relayed to me by people who have children who can compellingly describe another family and another life before they came into this life. And in particular, I had a client who has a seven-year-old son and her son would cry. I mean, sob, mom, I have to get back to my other family. He was only two or three years old, but he knew he had lived in another life. And he said that his other family missed him. And he had a vivid recollection of being accidentally locked underneath the staircase of his old house with his dog. And he could recall in vivid detail his family, his name, their names, and accurately described the former home all the way down to the color it was painted. So they currently live in the Deep South right now. And so she was going on a road trip to Michigan about three years ago. And as she's driving, the kid sees the house that he had described, that he believed he had previously lived. And he knew it. He could feel it. Everything felt really familiar to him, including the town that they were driving through. And I don't believe that there are any mistakes. I think that we have experiences and synchronicities because we're supposed to experience something or learn something. And I really do feel like that's part of our soul development and our spirit development. And I think it's also to help us really understand that there are things beyond our limits, things that are invisible that we can't see. And I think that when we do a lot of studying and we look at thought, thought's invisible. Thought only becomes visible when we manifest it in this reality. So the kid begins to cry uncontrollably, like he's grabbing onto the window. He sees this is his home. And he said, I have to get back to my mom, meaning his former mom. And he missed her. Now, this would really break my client's heart, his mother now, because he was insisting that this woman loved him and that's where he needed to be. And so she started to think, my God, you know, am I doing something wrong? Is he not happy here? She didn't really understand what was going on. Then she wondered, you know, is he making it all up? Is this just part of a vivid imagination from a child? But I recognized that his insistence and understanding past lives and his old family and his home, it was very intense, but I felt like it was really real. And so this young boy told his current mother that although he really loved her, it was the other family that he needed to make peace with. That's what he was really trying to say. And so On the way back, she called me when she got to Michigan and I said, you know, I want you to consider on the way back, why don't you stop and why don't you get the address and why don't we do a little bit of research? 
So on the way back, she did. She wrote down the address of the former home. And when she returned home, she started doing some investigating. And she discovered that 40 years prior to this, there had been a young boy who died underneath the staircase of that home. And when she found out, she stopped. I mean, her heart stopped. She just went cold. It freaked her out. She did not want to continue researching. So instead, I said, all right. I recommended that she read a book called Old Souls, Compelling Evidence from Children Who Remember Past Lives. It was written by Thomas Schroeder. It's a great book, by the way. And I sent her an article on a five-year-old boy in Scotland named Cameron. He could also describe his prior life with a family. He was murdered in that life. He even knew where he was buried. And there's a documentary called The Boy Who Lived Before. This was made about his experience. Because children who claim to have had previous lives, they share eerily accurate stories. Many of these kids actually find peace once they're able to visit the places that they lived in a prior life. So now my client's son is seven, and he doesn't talk about the family anymore because she took him to the place where he believed he had lived. And now that he's at peace, he doesn't even feel like he needs to discuss it. He doesn't even bring it up. It's almost as if a piece of his puzzle was finally in its place. Now, Carl Sagan said that there are three claims in parapsychology, in his opinion, that deserved serious study. One of the claims was that a young child sometimes reports details of a previous life, which upon checking turns out to be accurate and which they could never have known about in any other way except reincarnation. Now, I believe in that. I believe and agree with what uh, Carl Sagan says, because I have witnessed so many stories like this. I don't believe, however, that a prior life should ever be a sentence for a past transgression. For example, people will say, I did X, Y, and Z in a previous life, and that's why I'm experiencing this. I really do believe that they need to be deeply studied within ourselves to better understand our current existence. Because if you come into this life to certain parents, to a certain circumstance, to experience something, that's what needs to be discovered. Not that you're suffering from a past life. I just don't ascribe to that. I think that past lives are meant to help us on this journey to better understand consciousness, the meaning of life relationships, and the art of this existence, because this existence is an art. We create it with our energy and our thoughts. So if you believe that you've lived before, and if you can recall with any detail, whether it's great or small, I really encourage you to write it down in a journal. But scrutinize yourself, because a lot of times past lives come up when we're in very difficult relationships. Write it all down. And understand that it's all energy and that this is definitely possible. But in doing so, keep your head about you. The mind is a very interesting place. It'll take you places that you could never even imagine. And sometimes our memories aren't so great. But if you feel it, past lives and reincarnation are not to be used as a crutch. They are absolutely invaluable to your soul's growth. There are places that draw us to them, for example. 
And there's fantastic lessons. And that's what I think is so important is learning a lesson or clearing something from the past energetically by understanding it and by healing it. Because there's huge mysteries to understand about ourselves in situations that involve past lives. I'm going to move on because I actually have a guest coming uh, tomorrow. I will be doing a podcast with Steve North, who's in Western Australia. And Steve was uh, killed in 1971 in San Francisco with Amy. And Steve reincarnated eight years later, and Amy didn't. And Amy is now his spirit guide. So it's going to be a really interesting podcast. I'm going to move on because we're going to talk about Twin Flames with Steve and uh, Soulmates and Quantum Entanglement, and then we're going to tie it all together, we hope. And I want you to know that although we talk about these things, by no means is this necessarily the truth. This is all about discovery. Because I think that as we discover more and more, we realize how vast things are and how connected things are, and it just goes farther and farther. So I've been pretty vocal about my feeling about twin flames. A lot of twin flame relationships are gut-wrenching relationships. They're the relationships that bring you to your knees and burn you to ash. And it's actually meant for us to rise from the phoenix, as the phoenix from the ashes. And they are tough because they can break our hearts. But if you stick with me, I think you'll understand my concept. We, I believe, are our own soulmates. Do I believe in twin flames? Yeah. The explanation is mirror soul or soul connection. But soul connection can be a lot. Your your pets can be a soul connection. Your auntie can be a soul connection. Like Steve North your soul connection could not be incarnated, could be an archangel or an angel or a guide, which Steve and I are going to talk about. So I propose the question to myself, how can there be another half of my soul? I mean, wouldn't this be soul fragmentation? And if the twin flame is the other part of me, am I rediscovering myself or a fragment of myself from which I'm disconnected? You see, relationships are here to teach us something about ourselves. They almost always mirror something that we either see or don't see. So when you look in the mirror, it's what you see and it's what you don't see. And what you don't see can sometimes be what you need to see. And what you're looking at may be something that you have to dissolve. So why do these relationships feel so dysfunctional? If they're a twin flame, why wouldn't they feel heavenly? That's what I wanted to know. And I think it's because you're reconnecting with yourself. So they're in the Kabbalistic perspective. They have a term called, and I hope I don't ruin this, it's called Clifford. And it's the shells or the twin of God. It is the shadow or the chaotic forces that are unleashed when our soul or our energy is out of balance with the God force. Now, if you don't like the word God, use the word force or use whatever word you want, but that's the word that I'm using. Now, this opened up for me the concept of duality. 
our consciousness that crystallizes through this vast emptiness. And our consciousness does crystallize. That's how we get through life. It's because it's working through this brain of ours. And so when our force or our energy is out of balance, we exist or, or believe to exist out of balance with God. So the twin flame represents being in balance and in unity with God. And I think the trials and tribulations from twin flame relationships are because we're trying to regain that balance. So I'm going to talk a little bit about quantum entanglement. I am not a physicist, but I understand it to a degree, probably a very limited degree, and it's theory anyway. So Albert Einstein, again, he called the phenomena quantum entanglement spooky action at a distance. So action is energy. And since everything is energy, we can safely assume that our relationships are made up of the energy of two or more people involved and how each person's energy affects the other. And it doesn't have to be just two people. It can be three. Sometimes a third person or a fourth person or a family can really mess up or influence our relationships for good or for not. So quantum entanglement describes a situation where particles can remain connected so that the physical properties of one affect the physical properties of the other, no matter what the distance. So therefore, Steve North and Amy are still connected. She lives in one realm, he lives in another. You are in a relationship with somebody you feel is your soulmate. They have to move across the continent, but you can feel them. It's like you can feel your children. When you are connected to somebody, you're connected to somebody. You know it through and through. I don't have to give any more on that. You know what you know. So this description implies that it can be felt between individuals across the globe and beyond. So the quantum world is extremely weird. But knowing that it was describing connection, it was describing connection of souls, of minds, And it was describing the connection of energy as it exists in the feeling of things. Feeling helps me better understand the twin flame idea. Because a lot of our decisions without feeling are just logical. They're not made in the same way. And they've proved that through neuroscience. You have to have an emotional connection to make a decision. And you're usually making those decisions unknowingly because you've already got the emotional, uh, let's just call it emotional entanglement in place. Okay. So quantum entanglement, there was an experiment done by a guy named Miles Paget, and he works, um, he's a professor of physics and astronomy at the university of Glasgow in Scotland. Now Paget and his team first entangled photons, and photons are light particles. And when they hit a crystal with an ultraviolet laser, some of the photons from the laser broke apart into two photons. So one became two, twin flame. Make sense? So the resulting pair of the photons, that one that became two, was entangled 
So, quantum entanglement describes the phenomena in which two particles, which are energy and thought, which is your connection, interact with each other and remain connected, and they can instantaneously share physical states no matter how far apart you are. Now, I believe that this can happen with soulmates as well. But doesn't that describe the feeling we have when we're in a twin flame relationship? You know it, you know, you can feel them a mile away. You know it. It's in your gut. So if, in fact, another person is your twin flame, I sort of contend that that person is a mirror of your soul. If all is one, then that person's a part of you. But I think that that's our relationships in general. So these relationships reflect back to you what you need to be healed. If you want to go as far as saying to unify yourself again with the God force or the force, the life force that exists in in you, that force that works through you, that force that is you. So the relationship is super transcendent and it's about self-realization. So you're learning about your divine self through the mirror of another, what your lover, husband, wife, other is reflecting back to you. They're you and you're them. But yet you're separate because the photon broke into two. So twin flames have to integrate and heal something within each other, but you do it yourself so that the relationship can heal. And that means that the two people, if they're in a dysfunctional relationship, which I've heard a lot of twin flame connections, they have to both be willing to heal it. But make no mistake, this is a relationship with yourself and a relationship with God or that life force. It's taking a fragmented piece of yourself and integrating it so you become whole. So do I think that all twin flame relationships are dysfunctional? No. Do I think that two people coming together in harmony and being in a twin flame relationship can work? Absolutely. But they require explicit self-examination and explicit patience and absolute unconditional love. They're the relationships that will challenge you to your core. So now we're going to move on to soulmates because Steve and I will get into twin flames more. So just like twin flames, you're your own soulmate. And again, that's the wholeness that we're coming back to. People that you meet in this life, though, feel like home. That's what a soulmate feels like. They show up as children, friends, parents, brothers, sisters, family members, pets, lovers, a tree. I mean, I've heard people say that tree is my whatever. Okay. It's going to be whatever you make it. We have many, many soulmates in this life. And it's a feeling of a sense of compatibility and comfort that exists with a soulmate. And they can bring tremendous peace to your life. Although they may challenge you, they challenge you to grow with them and through them. So, Past lives and soulmates and twin flames are all relational to each other. Relationships, to me, are an elegant and fundamental property of the nature of things in relationship to self, because we are in relationship to everything. Everything relates to everything else. And since you are the observer, you relate to whatever it is that you put your focus on. We talk about this a lot. You create your reality. 
by your perceptions, what you put your focus on, and what you perceive and you see and believe. That creates the reality. So relationships are a teacher. And your relationships are trying to show you your true self. And if used as a guide, your relationships will lead you to the divine nature within you. So when you're struggling and when you feel like you are at your wit's end and your last straw and you can't go on, remember you're supposed to be learning something about yourself. It's one of the toughest things that we have to deal with in this life because we take the focus off of what we're supposed to learn and we put it on the other person. I hope this helped. I hope you listened to my podcast with Steve North. We will expound on these ideas. And if you would like to have a consultation with me, please don't hesitate to text me at area code 415-525-6800. Please, if you like this podcast, please clap for it. Please subscribe and please pass it on. Let's all try and make the world a better place and love yourself more. Thanks for listening.